This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Hello and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. I am Sister Miriam James and we are delighted this week to feature another talk from our Royal Women's Retreat. This talk is by our dear friend Mary Bielski. It was the closing talk of the weekend and it's on the topic of inheritance. And you're going to hear Mary talk about the presence of God, the power of God, how we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, how we love and live in freedom from victory, uh, how we live with more than enough, that we don't live in a scarcity mindset, but that we have a great inheritance that God gives us, um, that He lavishes His love upon us, and that we're called in maturity and strength to resemble the King. So we hope it blesses you as we were listening to her talk. It set our hearts on fire, and we thought, man, all of our listeners should hear this. So it's our deep desire that this talk on inheritance blesses you, that it speaks to something in your heart of who you are and gives you the power to stand firm in your belovedness to God. Have a wonderful week and enjoy this talk by Mira Bielski on the topic of inheritance. So this morning, we all have the pleasure of listening to dear Mary Bielski. And I met Mary several years ago at a conference, and um, we have some mutual friends, and just kind of ran into each other, and she was like, it was like immediate, she was like right here and like, let's talk about God and what he's doing and what's going on, and I was like, wow, this girl is like, she is in it to win it. And and ever since then, that is not just my first impression, but that's been my ongoing impression of Mary, that she is running the race to win. And she's full of passion. She's full of love for God. She has a tender heart that is so moved by him and the Holy Spirit. She has a passion for evangelization and for women. And so I'm really excited that we get to hear from Mary this morning as she talks about inheritance. Let's welcome Mary Bielski. How y'all doing, ladies? Woo! Oh, that was kind of lame. I know we're in Canada. I'm American. Love me. So just, how y'all doing? There you go. Bring the Canadian love. I love it. Um, I'm so excited to be here. So I live in New Orleans in the South, and I love it. But again, I would come up here anytime. Um, meet your people. I'm super excited to jump in today. Um, as we were over there praying, I was so amazed. Did you ever have these moments where you just touch heaven as we were singing? And, um, and, it's a, and as we begin today, I, you know, I was trying to think of a funny story, but I don't have one. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be me. Um, but what I sensed with the Lord I was, as, as, as I was up there, and just, I just want to say this to you all. It's such an honor It's such an honor to walk with you. It's such an honor to be on this journey, to know that we are part of something greater, and to see in this room, right, right, in heaven, the cloud of witnesses, but the the women in this room, who many of which have been carrying a cross and have journeyed with the Lord and have fought your battles, to be fighting them and walking them side by side is a privilege, and I'm honored I'm honored to be with you. And today is really about that last talk. You know, we kind of like finish Saturday night and I kind of smack you on your back, send you out. Um, But more I want to stir our hearts to dream of the creation of this heaven, the kingdom that could come today. 
to dream of what your life would look like as you go home and your call in this tapestry of what God has given you, this call that is unique to you and only you, and that you have the power and the ability to live out that exact calling and that we need each other in this battle. Amen? So I want to break open as we, I'm here kind of linking a lot of what we talked about with this whole idea of the kingdom of God and linking in this last piece, right, which is this inheritance, which I want to talk to you about. Um, You know, as we talk about the kingdom of God, I grew up uh, Catholic and I kind of grew up with this mentality. And I don't know if you all feel this of kind of like carrying your cross, you know, and just this kind of, we labor through, we push through, we offer it up, we just kind of knuckle. And in the, in, the, in the midst of that, we're like just hemorrhaging. And I started learning, right, that, that, that the message of the kingdom come, right, is that God is within us and God is here and now. And that we are a kingdom people. And that means that we don't live to victory, we live from victory. We live from a place that God has already given you, all that you have and you need in your life. And that we as a culture of Catholics need to shift. I'm not saying there isn't going to be suffering. I'm not saying there isn't a cross to be held. But in his grace, it's a gift and a glory. It changes our mindset. It changes the way it looks like. So, so many times when I was kind of growing up, I was like, can't wait to get to heaven. And so, until, until understanding, and this is what I want us to know from the core of us, that the message of the gospel is not about just getting to heaven. It's about heaven getting into us. It's about the reality of Christ, his presence, his power, his anointing, his manifestations coming and abiding in our spirit that we become a people of God where people see and they see the power, they see the anointing, they see the law and they say, he's real because he lives within us. That's the calling that we have. The walk that we come, it's not just we're just going to do these behaviors. It's about a changing in our whole spirit. And here's the beauty of today. We get to claim that. Many of us today have not been walking in the fullness of that. And it's time to rise. It's time to take your place in the kingdom. And I want to break open a little bit of what that looks like to you and just kind of walk with you a little bit. As we talk about inheritance, maybe a lot of you might think of a variety of things. Um, Maybe you have a, a family that has an inheritance, or maybe you've inherited. A lot of times we think of something in the future, like, I will inherit one day this. But this is a, both a reality of in the future and what we have now, right? And so inheritance, you can think often just in the natural, how it expresses something in the spiritual. In the natural, we have inherited many things. Some of us have had a, a parent or a grandparent who have passed away, and you've received financial gifts. You've received land. You've received something substantial, right, that we receive in the physical realm. We also know that in our inheritance, we also receive, right, qualities and characteristics of our parents, good and bad, amen? Y'all, like some of you are like, I got that diabetic gene I can't get rid of, right? I got that weird hair. My family, I'm like a, I, I have a, a family that of, of Irish, Polish, crazy personalities. And my mom's side of the family, we all have this weird mole on our toe. Not on our toe, don't be, that's gross. On my foot, it sounds more, it sounds more feminine, right? And all of us, it's so weird. All the women have this like, okay, this is a weird example, but it, like all of the women in the family, it's like we got this mole, like a little beauty mark on our foot because we stomped the head of Satan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a mark of Christ that just came to me. Um, 
So like we have, and, we, and each of us, everyone in this room has that kind of sense. Like my aunt has the tall gene. I grew up in a family. Like I'm the only tall woman. It's like all the other women are this tall and I'm like 5'11". And, I've been, and my aunt has that gene. And so we joke. And, and maybe you've been with your family and you've talked about the inheritance of different qualities and different genes that you have. You've got the thin hair, the thick hair, the penunca. You've got all these great and bad things that we've kind of taken. But on a deeper level, there's also real truth that we receive in our parents. And truths of, of who we are that express a reality of who God is. Like for me, I remember the moment that my aunt, I come from a very strong Catholic, Irish, um, Polish family. My 100% on both sides, 100% Irish, 100% Polish, I'm 50-50. And um, I remember this moment being with my Aunt Mary, uh, lives in New York, totally a New Yorker, right? And um, she, I had to do a project in middle school and talk to her about um, just her story. We've been talking a lot about stories, and I'm going to link all of these things. And in this discussion, she shared my grandmother died um, before I was born. Um, actually, both my grandparents on my mom's side passed before I was really born, so I didn't know them. So, so I know their stories, right? And there was a moment where I was talking to my Aunt Mary. I remember I must have been in middle school or in seventh or eighth grade. And my mother's father died <clears throat> when she was 10. And the whole family on my mom's side talks about that reality of losing their dad at a young age. And my aunt sat with me and started telling me the story of what she remembered about my grandmother when my grandfather passed. She said they had a family business, and she, um, in one, they have four children in New York. My grandmother was educated. It's very rare to have um, a woman at that time that actually had her degree. Um, she played violin, so I came from a very upper class, like, a blessed family. And when Grandpa died, right, when Jim died, um, she, she had this period of her life that was really challenging. And my aunt sat there, and she said, I remember my mother. And she sat me down, and it was almost like this, this instinct, and she looked at me, and I remember what that was like when my father died. And I remember my grandma, your mother, your grandmother, sitting in a chair with her head in her hand, not knowing what to do about finances, and not knowing what to do. And I knew in that moment, as I saw her up and battle, she said, I knew that in our family there was strength. And I remember this moment, because I was, I was 12. And she said, and then my Aunt Mary, this generational, listen to the generational self-inheritance. She talks about her mother. And then she said, and I remember when my daughter, Christine, died. My, my cousin died, stillborn, uh, only a couple months in. And my aunt began to tell me this story of her being crushed. Anyone here has lost a child? That crushing. She said, I was in this bout of depression. I couldn't walk. I couldn't function. This moment that we felt as women, right? No one knows the depth of power we have as women as we walk in these places, right? And she starts telling me this moment that she was so depressed when her daughter Christine died. And she looked at me and she said, but I remembered my mother. And I remembered Delahanty's have strength. And she started telling me the story of how every day it's one step. And in her depression, she took one step. And she took one step. And she started telling me the inheritance that I have in my family. And she looked at me and she said, no matter what happens, to you or from you. You come from a family of strength. And she spoke that inheritance in my, my, my whole being, right? And today, ladies, I don't know what story or inheritance you've gotten from your parents. Some of you are like, my, my dad's crazy. My mom's like this. I got a weird, I, I mean, I don't have that great story, Mary. I don't, I'm come from divorced families. But in the inheritance of Christ, we, this is what I want to, oh, I didn't even do my decree. That's just great because God wants me to decree right now. In our inheritance in Christ, right, there's something greater that has that understanding, 
There's something greater that we receive. You don't have to get, you don't have to do. As a daughter, we have received the inheritance of our father. We have all that is needed to have to do the journey that we're called to. And this is the blessing. So this is so beautiful that I'm reading this now, but St. Paul, you could put up my decree. I'm doing my decree later, but that's all right. That's how I roll. And um, the scripture is from Ephesians, and I love this scripture. In fact, for almost this entire year, I did a retreat with some of the students here on Ephesians. It's been my, like, mantra. Um, I'll read it from the screen. This is St. Paul. He's actually saying this to the Ephesians. Uh, Early Christians in the church, great signs and wonders are happening But he's telling them their stories. We've been talking about this throughout this whole weekend, right? The story of Christ, of of the Father revealing, excuse me, the the Father coming to restore his kingdom, right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this prayer. I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray, right? I love this father's heart. He's like praying as a father. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. Another translation is to know him better, to know the fullness of who God is, right? So that your, the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope to which he has called you, what is the rich which is of his glorious inheritance among the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the works of his great power. God put this work to us in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the right hand in the heavenly places. He's trying to tell people, listen, 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 you're part of a greater story. Listen, you have an inheritance that you don't even know about. You have a calling and a part of this tapestry and the story of redemption. And this is the reign of God. The kingdom of God is not just like we're just going to be kingdom people and walk around. It's the reign of a king and a people in, in service and obedience that reign with his characteristics, his ways of thinking, his ways of loving that manifest him in the world. This is our calling, and it's a great gift, but it doesn't come easy. Let's talk about that, right? So when we talk about the, the what do we, see? some of you are like, well, I want, I want my inheritance, right? You're like, that's awesome. That's great. Keep talking, Mary. I want more. Is there, is there gold? Is there wonderful things, right? And here's the beauty is that you have it. Well, that's interesting, Mary, because I don't feel any different, <laughs> Right? I don't feel like I have a great inheritance. I still have bad hair issues and I don't have, what what do you speak? You have it. We've been talking this whole weekend about your identity. This is, it's beautiful that I'm speaking last, right? Best for last, I'm kidding. No, (laughs) kidding, I was trying not to say it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, right? But like, humility, humility, but like, uh, there's a reason why this order is taking place, right? Because we began this whole journey with the, 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 the calling you into this journey, the invitation to encounter a person who just wants to love you. It's a beautiful story, a love story that we just have to say yes to. And then this, this journey that Sister Marian talked about, that as we enter into that story, we become to know our identity in Christ. And then through intimacy, we don't just know what we experience it. We get to grow with the nuances of a lover to know his name and his ways and, and the way he uniquely talks to just you. But it doesn't end there. 
right? That's who you are. We live in a world right now where most of what I preach as I travel around the country do things is to help people know who they are and whose they are. That our calling, we spent this whole retreat just focusing on that. But if you stop there, we're not done with the message, right? The beginning is who you are and whose you are. But today I want to talk about what you have because of who you are. That's your inheritance. It's what has been given to you by your rights as child of God. That because you are a child, you have access to all there is in the kingdom. And we are king's kids, and we can't be stopped if we know it. So when I want to talk about those principles, I want to give a quick overview of what those are. It's going to be brief, because I really want to talk more about us. Um, There's so much to go through. This is more of like a whole week talk that we can go through. Um, I want to talk about just five, uh, four Ps that talk about what is the inheritance. When I speak of inheritance, what do we mean by that? Because sometimes we use these terms, and we don't really know what that means. So the, the uh, hold on, let me get to my, I went through all that, so I did that, okay. Um, inheritance. So the first P is presence. The first P is presence, that what we receive as adopted daughters, it says in um, 1 Peter that um, we actually become partakers of the divine nature. That a lot of what, we, what I see in the church is us trying to like wrestle, trying to do the things instead of becoming the one. That the inheritance is that we, we're called to look like our dad. We're called to manifest his love, his ways, his presence. And, and that means all this. It, it says in Luke that the kingdom of God lives within And there are three qualities in Romans that it says the kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness that you have in your baptism. Some of you are like, have you seen me yell at my children? There is no peace in this heart, right? There is no peace in my home. And in in Christ, right? This is why Paul is like, no, 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 no. In Christ, you alone? Yep, we're janked up. We don't know what to do. We're tired. We're burnt out. But in Christ, we have peace. In Christ, we have this access to a myriad of gifts and spiritual awakenings that we can access at any moment in intimacy with him. So presence, number one. Number two, we have power. I'm going through this quickly because there's a lot I want to go through today. Meaning that we have the authority of Christ. And I live right now, and more than anything, we are getting our butt kicked out there. We can't have authority outside of relationship and identity. But there's an authority that we have as king's kids That at the name of Jesus, this is what he says, remember when Paul is saying that you would know the greatest inheritance of the saints, but the power, the mighty power, the authority that you have in your life over your children, you're like, I have no authority over those crazy ones, but you have authority in your evenings at night to pray over those kids, to claim them in the evenings to say, these are mine. Satan, you have no hand on them. You start fighting and saying in the name of Jesus. You start pouring the blood of Jesus over your kids. I felt like in prayer as I was praying and discerning about this event, some of you have kids who have fallen away from the Catholic Church, who are um, secularized. That was a big heaviness in your heart from these children that don't know Jesus. And here's the beauty. It talks about in in Psalms that we go into the the battlefield with our fingers and Our Lady with the rosary, and you have in your own bedroom, right? You don't have to go out there and like beat them. In the spiritual realm, you speak in the spiritual realm. The angels listen. You start walking and saying, Father, I know. And you start using your reign as a king's kid. Send protection. Bring the the relationships, God, and cover them every day with the blood of Jesus. 
that as a mom, you have authority. You have power to do that. You have power in the spiritual realm, right? To fight anxiety and all these things that trample us and we're just not using our weapons. We're not using them. So, so there's power in that, okay? Um, so presence, power, people is, is number three. We are part of a um, beautiful symphony, a cloud of witnesses. And I love that because we don't do this alone. If you look throughout scripture that there are men and women that have gone before you, that have walked your shoes, that have stayed up all night with their kids, unheard of, not spoken of, I know that you labor in ways that no one knows. I know that you've cleaned up vomit for the moms in this room and you've done the hard work and the single people, you've, you've held on to your dreams and you're scared they're not going to come true and for your retired women in the room, you, you've gone through your journey and you're like, what's next? I know there's a whole world of things happening in this room, but there are women and saints that go before you to lead the way, that there's still more. There's something, there's still more and people to, to journey with you in the process that you're not alone. And so many times as women, we just like, we just hide in our shame that there are people to, 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 to journey with us and people that have gone before us. I'm going to play a quick video of um, Disney because Disney is prophetic. And um, Disney, I always find like these crazy, but Moana, as you know, is a, is a queen, a, queen a, a, a child of a, of a chief. And she's on a journey. We're going to be talking about that next two parts that we have in our inheritance. But there's something that's so unique in this uh, where she meets her, her grandmother. We'll just play this and we'll talk about this clip real quick. I love that clip. And it just makes me be like, yeah, like, can you see the saints? Like, I see, like, St. Catherine of Siena. It's like, come on now. You know, like, the saints are coming up. Like, you have a calling. You're part of this lineage. Remember who you are. I'm sorry, I get passionate. You can't tell. I'm sorry. I'm in Canada. I got to chill. Sense, chill it out. Just be, we're Canadian. Okay. I forgot. Love y'all. I get a little crazy up here. All right. Um, but it just moves my heart. Right? And in those moments where we recognize the lineage of the people that have gone before us, then they remind us who we are. They remind us that the call that we have. So after we receive people, the next one is that you have a purpose. And in that calling, we're going to talk about as we end today what that specific calling and purpose. Yes, we're here to manifest Christ. Yes, we're here to love. But what does that specifically look like for you? Uniquely in the tapestry of what God has given you and the giftings and the talent that he has bestowed in your life. Right? And the last P is provision. Provision. So in the kingdom, it's like that moment where if you, you remember um, in the prodigal son, where the, the, uh, the elderly brother is outside. He's in the kingdom, but he's not living it as a son. Everything comes out of identity. That's why we've been spending so much time on this. And the father comes out to the elderly brother and he says, all that I have is yours. Every gift, every provision, every way is yours. But many times in my life, because I have been the orphan, I have not walked in that fullness of that inheritance. I've let bitterness in my heart. I've, I've looked at comparisons. I'm not enough. Whole culture of women that don't believe they're enough. Here's the deal, we're not. But he is. And part of the journey of our strength as women is that we stand in the fact that, that I, in him I'm enough. There, there's a movement that has to happen. This is what tonight is about, declaring the truth, that we can't just keep going on, yeah, I still think this about myself, yep, my parents, telling old stories, old history that's dead in Christ, that is dead in Christ. 
You have risen a new creation, a new story that you have to claim as women. The claim, the new story of redemption. A lot of us are playing those old tapes, old stories, old memories of the past, and I'm a recovering victim. I'm right where with you. That God wants to teach you a new story and to claim it in our lives, right? To know that, that, in that the first part of walking in our inheritance, and here's the best kept secret. Some of you are like, how do I belong? How do I get all these senses that you've been talking about home? Um, for me, a lot of my journey is just accepting the truth, like accepting the gift of who God is and who I'm not. There comes a point in your life where you, and, and, and self-accepting, y'all, I can't, I'm, I'm always late. Hello, Michelle and I can cuddle. You know, like, I'm always late, I can't spell, like, I'm selfish, and sometimes all these things about myself that we whip ourselves over and over, and the, the good news of the gospel is, like, even in all of my stuff, he's accepted me, and the blood of Jesus washes me, and I can declare it in my life. And you have to, to, to claim that, I am his. No sin or anything else is going to get away. I'm going to read this quote from Brene Brown, and then we're going to keep going. Um, I love this. Belonging starts with self-acceptance. Your level of belonging, in fact, can never be greater than your level of self-acceptance. Because believing that you are enough is what gives you the courage to be authentic, vulnerable, and imperfect. I know the gremlins are going to happen when you get home. I know the thoughts of, I didn't get enough done. I have this and that. That was a great talk, but this is reality. I have crap to do, right? And many times in my life, I was like the elderly son. Like the beginning of my journey was a prodigal son. I kind of did the party scene in my early 20s, you know, come on, back in the day prior to Jesus. And, um, and then when I came and found him, and then I just became religious. And I became so covered with my shame, and I hid it behind ministry, I gave great talks, and then inside I never felt like I was worthy. A lot of you are involved in church. You're incredible women, but I know there's a lot of stuff inside because you haven't claimed his gift. And there comes a point where we claim it to say, I'm enough. Hear me on this as your sister and mama. Your kids are enough. Your income, it's enough. Might not be what you wanted, but it's enough in him. Right? Your husband, God bless him. <sighs> He's enough. I'm not saying that's where we end. This is where we begin. We begin with enough. We begin with no more scarcity, no more, I didn't get enough sleep, I don't have this, I don't have that. It is enough in him. You stand in the pillar of your inheritance knowing that the kingdom is yours and you might ha have access to it fully now, but it's there available and I'm going to work. This is where the other part, see? There's two parts of the equation. Acceptance, we start in the church there, but then we don't end there. Like, like, like uh, Michelle was saying, you've got to run the race because you can actually have an inheritance and not access it. You can have a whole bunch of money in an account and never receive it, Right? You can have, you, you see this in the early church where Joshua led the people, Moses set the people free and they were in the, the desert land wandering forever, not inheriting the promised land. Many of those people because of the, the slave spirit, that elderly brother spirit, that orphan spirit was keeping them from inheriting the fullness of what God had. 
And there was a moment that Joshua had to claim his inheritance. He had to move into that land and say, this is mine. And for many of you, that is the calling that God has. The calling today to claim what is yours. And what I mean by that is, is all of us have an inheritance. You have something that has been bestowed to you in your life. You have children. You have ways. You have gifts. And how that inheritance grows, like just like the rich young man as he goes home, right? The father is like, um, just like your kids, you're not going to give the car to your kid if he's not responsible. You're not going to. So, so stewarding, right, we gain greater inheritance as we steward what he's already given us. Does that make sense? Joshua enters into the promised land, but he doesn't get all of it at once. We want all of it, but we're not ready for it. Just like those people that get, the, you, know, you see lottery winners? Do you know that 77% of all lottery winners lose it within the first year? Why? Because they don't have the maturity of heart to receive all that he wants to give. The same as the spiritual realm. If we don't have the maturity of heart to go into that place, we're not going to be able to receive the inheritance. We're not going to be able to steward what he gives us because he wants to give you more. He wants to take your inheritance and then use that as the footstool of the next generation. And there are generations, I'm preaching now, ladies, there are generations that are going to be going on before you that you are going to have to lead the way and pass the baton. And you can't give what you don't have. As you lean into your children and as you look for the future husband, and as you have, so I'm neglecting this side, right? Like, as, as you think about what is the future, like, you cannot give what you don't have. And so with this whole idea of inheritance, yes, self-accepting, walking into the kingdom, it's a gift to receive, you don't have to earn it, but then there's a responsibility, right? This This is why Paul says that you might know the hope which is your call, that you have a call and a responsibility to the next generation, to your children, and to yourself. And only you know those areas of your heart. Part of that maturity, some of you are like, well, I want to grow with greater inheritance. Inheritance happens in everyday life as God gives you these tests to see if you're ready. And the beauty is that you never fail. You just retake it over and over (laughs) and over. Sometimes in my life, I've literally been taking the same dang test. And he's like, are you going to give that to me? Because there's a death that comes as you walk into the early the Israelites as they walked into the promised land, they had to go through circumcision. There was parts of themselves that had to be stripped and taken because they're not there from themselves. They're there to resemble the king. They're there to resemble something else and someone else. And if it's us and not him, it's gotta go. And no one talks about that journey. No one talks about the women on this stage. You know why we have this long history of healing? and It's because we have walked in the wilderness. And we as women are called to do that, to, to go into those wilderness places and fight our tests. I'm not saying that, you know, that we win all of them, but to stand. And the beauty of it is that is like our lady gives us the way in which we do that. I want to give you as we end today, like there is a model today to reign in your life. Like, to reign as women. I'm not saying everything's perfect. First of all, just accept the way, it's a unique reign for your life. And it's going to look different. I love the people that have pretty kids and, you know what I mean, y'all? Some of you might have, like, the perfect hair kit, you know, and the, and the perfect clothing. And there are those mothers, and they're great. And others, you're not. You're like an artistic soul, and your kids don't look like that. And some of you are, are some who are going to have engineer minds, and, and you don't have that journey. And to recognize that in the tapestry, we all look different So stop trying to look at someone else's story. Get your story, claim it, and then grow it. 
grow your inheritance, which is in the spiritual realm of your heart. Okay, we're gonna talk, I'm gonna talk really about how Our Lady is that example as we go in because she has been on my heart since the beginning of this. The church, um, I love this story. Uh, if you guys have read uh, uh, Carolyn um, Houselander's um, Read of God, have you read that story? I'll tell you about it. It's great. I love this. And Mary, um, the church actually talks about Mary being our model. Um, it's so beautiful. As I was reading some of the documents of the church, St. Paul um, the Great spoke about Our Lady being the model of reigning, which I was like, sweet. It's like he knew that we were going to have this retreat, right? Like he was talking that Mary is the model because reigning is not about power and dominion. It's about service and about love. It's about laying our lives down as women, Right? In a unique way, Edith Stein actually broke it up. I'm giving you all these different models. I'm going to pull it together with a big ribbon. Edith Edith Stein um, spoke about actually our vocation in three levels, which I really love her model. It helped me understand that our primary vocation as women, number one, is a call to holiness, right? We get that, that we're all called to love and to, and to, to mirror who he is, Right? The second level, though, is a unique, is a call based on our, our, our call as women. And I know we're living in a culture right now that wants to, to take away all gender, but there is a, a, a feminine way of ministering and leading that, that needs. And so she, Edith Stein talks about, as, as we talked about yesterday, just to link all these, as mother and as bride, right? This place that we uniquely love in a, a unique way as women that's different than men. Right? I'm not saying that I'm not fierce. I'm not saying that we're not Joan of Arcs and we're not, we're not warriors. I think that we are greater warriors in the world than the world even knows if we know who we are, if it's modeled in the right way. And Our Lady shows that. Our Lady shows that place, right? Where as a mother, how to steward and reign, not in dominance and control. Come on now. Any control freaks here? <laughs> right? Right. Yes. Claim it. Your test, right? Right? Like, that's my test I've been working on for 28 years, but it's still there, right? To, to, but Our Lady shows us that, that model, right? And, and so she shows us the first part of the fiat of Our Lady to, of surrender. And many of you in that place to control your husbands and your kids, and I love you, and this is me, and control my vocation and the future of my vocation. Come on now, young people. This is my little hub of people that are not married and are still waiting in the promises to come to control that and to manage that. It's when we get out of the seat of daughter, right? And to surrender in that place, that place of fiat. Let it be done unto me because we know our dad's a good dad. And when we start controlling our lives and our our world, it's when we forget who our father is, that he's gonna give good things in his time. I don't need to grasp for a great facial hair man. Even though I want one, (laughs) right? He's gonna come on in his own time as long as my heart is, 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 is espoused to him first, right? And there was a story when I moved to New Orleans. I moved there. It was very insane when I moved. Um, I've had about seven or... I've had a long years of journey and healing. Um, a lot. Because I went into ministry and just was wrecked with all my shame, right? I could do the dance. I think people thought I was brilliant, but beside it, I was self-condemnation, never good enough, depression, anxiety, but I could give a good talk. That's not the fullness. And I've been laboring with many tests throughout my life because I want what he died for me to have. I want a church that's alive. I don't want good workers. I want holy women that, that lay their lives down and yell, holy, holy is your name. 
that scream the truth of God in the midst of chaos. And right now there is a world of chaos not to be feared, not to be running from it, but to stand in the victory of Christ is. And as we do that as women, we change the culture of the world. And as I moved to New Orleans, and there's, there's places of fear in our heart, right? Because we're like, well, how do you do that? I have no idea. You just let him do it, and you fight each battle, and you win some, you lose one, but you keep seeking his heart. And I remember when I moved to New Orleans, um, I, ever have, I had crippling fear. My life has been crippled with fear, and I think so much in this room there's been fear. And so there, there's a battle and a test that God's like, are you going to trust me? Are you going to give me your fiat? And I moved to New Orleans, and I remember I, was, I didn't want to move. I wanted to be in the mountains facial hair men. This seems to be a theme. And I, I wanted a different story, y'all. Some of you are like, I don't want to be with my kids. I want to be doing what you're doing. You're in your story. Nothing is wasted with God. If you are home alone with your kids, that is your ministry. And you will use that in the next seating and movement of your life. Don't waste this time. Don't waste the movement of what God is doing for you now. That you're not just, oh, if you've got a stage and a mic, then you're in it. You're in it now. Claim that right now. And in that place, it wasn't, it wasn't the way I wanted it to look. And the fiat of Our Lady doesn't have to look like what you want it to look if you take your place with his, with, with his will. So I went and um, I moved to New Orleans and I remember just weeping. My friend was like, um, Mary, is, is the Lord telling you to go to New Orleans? And I was like, I don't want him to, but yes, right? And he just simply said, then give him your fiat. Ladies, give him your Yes. This is the battlefield, the test. Will you give him everything? Will you lay down your life for the king? No one talks about that part of the journey. It means your dreams. It means your control. It means your finances. It means your insecurity. There was a time in my life where God said, I want you to give me your weapons. And I was like, I've given you my weapons. He's like, the ones you use against yourself. The ones you used to mutilate and hurt yourself, will you give me those? I'm like, oh, I like those. Those are really comfortable. It's much scarier to claim our throne than it is to claim our rags, isn't it? There's a dying of self when we choose to rise. And in my journey, I've had to do that, and it scares the crap out of me. And each step, we do that more and more, right? So the fiat, the surrender, fiat, the surrender. These are just quick. If I, I have a whole talk on Our Lady, but we don't have, I like combine three talks. I'm like, this is a big topic. So Our Lady shows this surrender, this obedience. You see this at our, um, in Cana where she says, do whatever he tells you. There's an obedience that we're called to in every moment of our lives. And it's specific to this season for you. And so what is God calling you today in obedience to be like? Maybe that means I need to be obedient to self-care, I need to be obedient to taking care of myself because my kids aren't going to make it if I don't have that place of my heart where I rest in him. Obedience to what he's asking you in the littlest things. For me, I had a time period. He's like, I want you to make your bed every morning. Seriously, the Lord's like, let's see if we can. You want to conquer mountains? Conquer that, that pile of dishes, right? Conquer that small thing in your life. What do you ask to be obedient in the small things? Because he's not going to give you the big things if you can't give them small ones. I want to conquer big mountains. I don't want to do the little stuff. And he's been asking me to be obedient, right? So obedience. Um, and finally, I, I went away from the. This is perfect because uh, the, the, the next part in is, is, to, is to bear life with your kids and that, the school of love. Um, I love Our Lady. I love her with all my heart. I struggled with my femininity so much in my life. And she's taught me what it means to be a woman. And she's taught me how to reign, sometimes limping. <laughs> 
but she's exquisite. And she's beautiful because she loves. I love the early, um, those of us who have gone to, I'm exhausted too, so um, I've been blessed to go to Medjugorje. And I love that the early um, visionaries saw Our Lady and they asked her this beautiful question. They said, Our Lady, why is it that, you lo- why is it that you're so beautiful? Which I love that because don't we want beauty? And she why is it that you're so beautiful? And she said, because I love much. Because there's a place in our feminine heart that we learn to love and to lay our life down with our friendships, to use our words as, as places to bring bare life. We see that with Our Lady coming to Elizabeth, the first thing that she does when she's, she's afraid, she's afraid, women, we're afraid, but we're not alone. So who's your Elizabeth? As you go home, who are the people you're going to run to? Who's going to speak prophetic truth to you, right? This is who you are. Running to her, listen, blessed are you among women and blessed is God within you. Women that will call out the truth of your prophetic calling in life and fight with you against the gremlins in your own life and your own heart, right? Because in, in that place where we can love, right, we start imaging the very call of our feminine hearts. Listen to what she says. I'm never going to get to this quote. She says this, many people think of Our Lady as someone who would never do anything we would do. Pause. I love that because I am not like a flowery girl. Girl, I've grown in my femininity. I was a big tomboy. I never got Our Lady. I was like, she's just too perfect, y'all. You know what I'm saying? And I love this about her honesty. She says, many people think of Our Lady as someone who would never do anything that we would do. To many people, she is the Madonna on a Christmas card in mobile, seated forever in immaculately clean stable of gold straw and shiny snow. She is not real. Y'all know what your, your, your house looks like. I mean, you know, no, there's no snow there, right? She, she's not real. Nothing about her is real, not even the stable in which love was born. But what attracts us to her is that she is human. She is, it is the little details about the saints that attract us. These touches that uh, bride the immense gaps between heroic virtue and our weakness. How dear to us, and she starts beginning to talk about the uniqueness of all the saints. I'm going to talk about this with your calling. The uniqueness of St. Catherine of Siena because she loved her garden, because she made little vessels of gilded tiny oranges to honor a difficult pope. St. Catherine was not only the most dynamic woman in history, but also a friend to so many women in history. Of Our Lady, right, back to Our Lady, such things we do not recognize, we complain that so little is recorded of her personality, so few of her, her words and, ide- and deeds that we cannot even form a picture of her. And there is nothing that we can lay hold of to emulate. Drum roll. But it is Our Lady and no other saint whom we can emulate. Oh no, my next page is gone. Oh, there's you, Jesus. All the canonized saints, all the canonized saints, um, have special vocations, special gifts for their fullness. Like she starts going through the, the various saints and the giftings that she doesn't have. She doesn't have the intellect of this. I mean, it's a long thing, so I'll cut it. But basically, like some saints, we can't, we don't have that gifting. But Our Lady has to include in her vocation and her life's work the essential thing that is hidden for every one of us in every vocation and in every life. She is not only human, she is humanity. I love this part. The one thing that she did and does is the one thing that we all have to do, namely to bear Christ to the world. 
Christ must be born from every soul, formed in every life. If we, are, if we had a picture of Our Lady's personality, we might be dazzled into thinking that one sort of person could bear Christ in themselves, and we would miss the whole meaning of her being. Nothing but this is most essential to all of us, that she revealed, to us, uh, that she revealed in us as being the mother of God, the fact that she was wed to the Holy Spirit and bore Christ to the world. This is our calling as we go home. So the second movement is, is that place, so call to holiness, to image our feminine hearts as mothers and as brides, right? Our Lady, those four, that fiat, that surrender, the obedience, and, fi- and bearing love in all things, in the littlest ways when you go home, and, and you know that, walk for yourself. And finally, Mary stood at the cross, too, because there's going to be challenges. She's just a model of that. There, there's times in your life that you're not going to see the promised land right now. But to stand in the end, even as Mary's standing with her son bleeding on the cross, she's standing in confidence to know the victory has been won. And then she can start bearing a life in communion with her. I'm going to play this video real quick. I love that we're both mothers and spouses because I'm not married. And sometimes I'm like, well, where's my spouseship? Um, we're all called to be spouses of the king. And this is a video taken. Um, I actually edited it myself. So this is Marin editing, so don't judge it. But... Um, I was trying to find a video and I couldn't find it that represented this beauty of what we're called to in the the whole story, the love story of creation is the story of marriage. That one day, and I love that we sang holy, holy, holy in the beginning of the session. Um, That is heaven, but it's now. And as we walk in relationship with our Lord, right, we begin to to emulate the, the journey. And here's the joy of today. There's a journey that God has for you as you go home. There is a love journey that you can walk with the Lord and hear his voice, and he can change. I've seen miracles in my life. And it's, I've seen miracles of relationships in my family that have been changed, of my own sexual addictions that have been broken, the way of Christ that God lives and he's real, and we get to journey not alone but with our love. So go ahead and watch this video. And so as we end... Um, I want us to actually make that declare. I feel like it's time to put on our crowns. I know that sounds really cheesy, and I was not a big princess girl. I wasn't. I'm not. But it's time to put on our crowns as you go home and to believe that God is enough and to believe that there's a calling in your life and your gifting as you go home. No one else is going to give it. It's there for you to take. And he wants to crown you today, ladies. Each of us in this room, Edith Stein, the last part of the three series, right? I said the first one, Call to Holiness. The second one is as mothers and as wives. The last one is the unique and specific calling God has for you.